Hello, Spacers. From Austin, Texas, I'm Christopher Schmidt. On today's show, I'm joined with Matt Vanderpoel. Matt helps companies and agencies craft custom WordPress themes with an emphasis on content maintainability, performance, and responsive behavior. Before we get started with the show, some notes on where I'll be and some words from our sponsors. SAS Summit is a full-day virtual front-end UX design conference that you can attend online this December 14th. Free recordings with registration at sassummit.com. Again, it's December 14th, and you get free recordings when you register. Set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. So whenever a new show is ready to go, be notified in your inbox by signing up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, Christopher Schmidt, at Telejet, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. Also, notes for today's show, along with links, are at nonbreakingspace.tv. And as always, thank you for subscribing, commenting, liking, and telling others about Nonbreaking Space show on iTunes. Now, on with the show. Thanks for being on the show, Matt. Uh, the first question we usually ask is, uh, how did you get into the web? Like, what was your first experience with the web, and, and what did you think about it? Well, I first started uh, back in college. My roommate back then uh, got started at a small web agency, and they had another opening. And uh, so I just kind of you know, was interested and had an opportunity, and so started learning and signed up. And uh, we started, uh, this was back in 97, so we were using Perl back then. It was quite a while ago. And uh, it was, yeah, um, I had had a little bit of of coding in college, um, but this was sort of really, I learned on the job. And so I started on back end and uh, just found that I really enjoyed it. And I've been doing it ever since. Mm -hmm. So what type of projects would you be dealing with? Uh, Uh, Back then... uh, yeah, we were doing a lot of like um, info center, like small internet type projects, uh, sort of wiki style, database backed hosting content for Silicon Valley tech companies, mm-hmm. um, sales portals, that kind of thing. Um, it's been you know migrated since then. I've been doing a lot more WordPress lately. Um, I've switched to more full stack. Uh, but yeah, back then it was it was uh, internet. Cool. And then um, how did you get involved with, with WordPress? Um, just kind of as technology moves on, um, just new things come forward. And uh, somebody uh, where I was working pulled out a project and said, hey, you know, let's, there's this new Drupal thing. So I looked at Drupal for a while, and then we looked at WordPress. And I was a lot more attracted to WordPress. And mm-hmm. so there was some, some projects that came up using it and just dove right in. And I've really been enjoying that. Uh, it's nice the sort of the the standard foundation it gives you, but still a lot of flexibility. Um, and there's a, a clean upgrade path from version to version that I found. How long have you been with WordPress then? Uh, I've been using WordPress for a good four years, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to start a war between WordPress and, and Drupal for you. <laughs> I, don't think I appreciate that, that. No problem. So you hate Drupal. Is that what you're saying? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so not to get into code too much. I just want to talk about this. But what I really found awesome is that you 
designed and built your own home. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's great. Can you? Uh, I think it's you know I think it's great when uh, how did that happen? I mean, it's just like I think it's awesome that you did that. But like, how how did you start doing that? And what was the process behind it? Like, what was the motivation behind? Um, the yeah, the motivation was largely financial. You know, okay. we were living in the Bay Area, my wife and I, and we had two kids, and just kind of looking at house prices and thinking, you know, this isn't sustainable. This was back in 2004. You oh, know, wow. this just, they can't keep doing this. And so we sold the house we were in, we rented for a while, trying to figure out what was next. And then mm-hmm. we decided, you know, what if we just bought land and built a house? Mm-hmm. And my, um, I'm chatting with my parents, and they actually were living in Southern California. They said, you know, you know, what if we did this together? And we were kind of surprised at that. And so we ended up buying land together and building separate houses. And it was just, you know, it made a lot of sense when we started the process in 2006. You know, we bought land. Mm-hmm. We kind of talked about what we wanted to do. We are on 10 acres in the Sierra foothills. So it's a really, really nice place. Mm-hmm. And we were able to design it just the way we wanted it. Really open floor plan, lots of natural wood, very efficient building style and uh, efficient to heat. We just heat with wood. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a fantastic experience. Like, So what, what, if someone was, were going to do that, what would you recommend? What steps would they take to do that? Like, um, You'd need to be okay with everything taking longer than you expect. <laughs> you need to have a really good relationship with your partner just because – it's a huge undertaking. It's an enormous undertaking. You know, for the two years we were working on it, every spare moment, every spare dollar, just everything went towards the house. Because hmm. uh, we were owner builder, we did a lot of the work ourselves. We didn't. We hired out some things, but as much as we could, we did ourselves. Uh, and it's just an enormous time commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, how long? I, mean, I want to ask you everything about the project. So, hopefully, that's okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I think, no, I love talking about it. Oh, well, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I have, because I have no, other than try to read your blog uh, about it, uh, about the process. Like, I have no, well, bought a lot uh, with your, with, with your, uh, with your relatives and then you know, separate houses. How did you know, like, for floor plans, how did you know which floor plan you wanted? Did you look at other floor plans or blueprints or, like, how did you know, like, to start from, like, what floor plan would you like? Use. Yeah, we you know we did a lot of research, we did a lot of reading, looking at just tiny houses and efficient houses, and just optimal use of space. Um, looked at other people we know, houses that we liked. Um, we did some research on efficient building because we knew we wanted to keep the structure and the roof line as simple as possible. Uh, we did a two-story house just because it's a, a more cost-effective for the footprint, um, and. You know, we wanted to heat with woods. So we wanted open floor plan. Um, I really like the look of exposed timber and timber beams. And so, by and heat with heat with wood, what does that mean exactly? Is that like a uh, a stove or stop? Yeah, like, a wood burning stove. We have stove. a wood burning stove. You know, we have we harvest oak from the property, and I you know cut the trees down with a chainsaw and split it with a mac with a, a maul, okay. and uh, that's how we heat. Nice. Okay. Cool. Sorry, to interrupt. No problem. Um, so yeah, just you know, we kind of on paper drew up what we wanted for the floor plans, and then we worked with a local company to tr- 
translate that into CAD drawings. And they had somebody who did the engineering work to make sure everything was engineered for snow load and submitted the plans to the county. And that was what got us started. Oh, wow. And snow load, how much snow do you get outside in the area? This is is by way to let you know I'm from Florida. So this is kind of like (laughs) a weird thing. I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm assuming you get like tons of snow. No, we don't get tons of snow. Um, okay. On a, the last few years since we're in California, they've been not such good snow years. Um, mm-hmm. On a decent snow year, we get you know two or three storms that dump two to three feet, mm-hmm. um, and then it melts off. You know, we might get a dusting here and there. So we're not talking like Tahoe amounts of snow, right. but snow is heavy, and so the roof right. has to be able to support it. Right. Okay. So, so your floor plan, it gets okay by the, the government. Can you name like one or two, th- three things that uh, about the house that you feel like are unique or like that helps uh, your career? Like as I guess, you work from home, I take it? I do work from home, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's things that are unique. Uh, the floor, uh, we have a, a hallway upstairs with some oak flooring. And that oak flooring is reclaimed from my grandparents' house in Houston. And it's flooring that I took some of my first steps on, and my grandfather helped me lay it. Um, so that's just – I feel like it's an incredible connection. Um, you know, I because I work from home, uh, we homeschool too, and we're usually always here. Right now my family's out. Um, otherwise, it'd be a little noisier. Um, but uh, it's it's nice just to be here to help out if necessary. You know, my wife can go out and run an errand, and there's still somebody here with the kids. and. Um, it, it's nice to have that ability. Yeah. Anything interesting about the, uh, floor plan for your, for your home office or is anything, I don't know, do you have like a secret butler elevator to the kitchen or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing special. I mean, I, I ran ethernet to the rooms, uh, uh, but in terms of work, there's nothing, nothing really special. Nothing special, just straight up. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's just a you know spare bedroom I'm using as an office. Yeah, there's nothing crazy or like nothing special. The whole uh-uh. thing special, just to build your own house. So uh, it was a three years to take, 2006 to 2009. Uh, is that right? Uh, from when we bought the land to when we were final DS. The actual construction oh. was about two years. Okay, two years. Okay. And during the whole construction process, you were still working full-time? and I was, yeah. I was working mostly full-time. I took uh, a month off at the beginning just to kind of get the project rolling. Um, and then I was working mostly full time during that process. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Okay, cool. Well, I'll stop asking about the house now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, I do want, you have another project we're working on. I'm not sure if how long it's been, but, uh, it's, you're working on a book as well for better HTML forms. Is that right? Yeah, that's. That's been kind of an on-again, off-again project. Um, Right now, it's in the off-again stage just because it's – I'm not convinced it's something people are looking for. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent time on it. I've I've got to start on it. But uh, I'm I'm unsure how well it will sell. And so right now, it's it's in the off-again phase of the project. Well, tell me more about it. The idea is that, uh, you know – Creating forms online is not an easy thing to do in HTML. There's a lot of ways to do it wrong. There's a few ways to do it right. There's a lot of intricacy to make it, them easier to use. Uh, you know, 
for instance, with HTML5, we have the different um, input types, and that can affect the keyboard that appears on a mobile device. Um, dealing with placeholder fields, and when you click into a form that just uses a placeholder for the label, you lose the label. So there's a lot of things like that, usability things, that are um, challenging, it seems, for people to do. People just seem to take the easy way out. And so my idea was, okay, I'll write this book that shows how to do all of these different things um, in a, a standard way, an accessible way, and just kind of make it easier for people to, quote unquote, do the right thing. Um, not diving into a particular um, you know, form generation technology or platform, just straight HTML, CSS, JavaScript, so it can be used anywhere. Uh, that's the, the theory behind the project. Yeah, I will say like one of the hardest things when I was learning HTML back in the day was was understanding HTML forms, and that because I didn't have a Perl background, <laughs> so I can uh, execute a form and say, like, "Am I doing this right? I'm not really sure if I'm doing this right." And then to be able to you know generate you know the forms correctly with labels, and I don't think we had like labels like a standard for labels back then. I was just like just trying to generate the uh, the HTML constructs of a the form were very hard hard to do. So it's not as easy as uh, placing an image on a web page and like, oh, there it is. So, uh, pretty good. yeah, I think forms are pretty pretty tough. I even I find it kind of tough uh, uh, today. I was actually dealing with a just a small, simple form for um, the 10K project over at a list apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, that contest, I was just had to like, throw a form together. It's like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just like, this should work, but I don't deal with forms all the time. And so, so right. yeah. So like when you do want to use, use forms, it's, it's nice to have a really good solid uh, backup. Cause I find like programmers who program and that's what they do or engineers or whatever they want to call themselves. Um, you know, they say they know HTML, but then, you know, they don't know HTML, right? They don't know like how to construct a good HTML form and, Right. And designers don't know, like you know, how what goes into to building uh, a good practical form. So, and then, but I like it how you you want to integrate it with you know SAS and um, BM. So, is it Beam or is it BEM? Is it BEM? BEM. Okay. See, there we go. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm not part of like I'm a part of the shootout of uh, of uh, Smacks and OCS. So, so, but uh, uh, but yeah, so cool. Yeah, I think that's very pretty awesome. So yeah, uh, how far away do you think you are from? finishing it up or wrapping up um it's a question of scope you know i keep thinking of new things to include do i get into any kind of a back-end processing do i keep it entirely front-end um you know if i if i you know sat down and worked at it i could probably be done in, in two months um mm-hmm. so maybe end of year uh okay. but like i said it's right now it's currently on the the back burner uh, but, you know, if, if there's a lot of interest and people say, hey, you know, that would be great, I'd love that, then that could yeah. push it back to the front. Okay, cool. Well, it's uh, it's called Better HTML Forms Book, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes in case people want to uh, sign up for the – there's a, a launch discount code, I guess, or I guess basically a new newsletter when you'll announce it, right? Yes. When the book is complete. Sweet. I signed up for it just now. Cool. So, so I Awesome. For, uh, as someone who's written like, more than my fair share of web books, I – I look forward to uh, to reading yours. So, oh. but uh, yeah, it's 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 not an easy process to write a book. So, I uh, I commend you for that at least attempting. I think if you're that close, I will let me know what we can do 
to get you over the edge like to okay. to finish it out. But uh, yeah. but you bought you actually built and designed your own home, so I don't think you need any help from from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have actually finished a book. Um, and I oh, wrote okay. a book. Yeah, I wrote a book on backpacking with kids. Um, oh no way! Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I go. I, we have we have five kids now, and I've been we've actually been with all of them. But I wrote a book on backpacking with uh, kind of elementary to middle school age kids. Nice. Um, so okay, okay. Is that and, still out uh, and about or it, it is out? It's on. Um, uh, I'll get you the URL. Um, okay. I cool. wrote it for a uh, a project. I'm blanking on the name of the selling platform. Um, But they had a, you know, create something in 10 days project. Um, And so I participated in that and wrote that book. And my daughter, who at the time was uh, 13, Mm -hmm. wrote the introduction to it. So it's really cool. Okay. That's nice. All right. Yeah. Okay. Any top tips for backpacking with kids? Um, Be patient. Okay. Um, Don't make them carry too much weight okay. and make sure that the, what they are carrying their clothing, their backpacks are just, it's appropriately sized. Okay. Don't, don't get something that they will grow into because it can be tough to have equipment. That's not your size. Okay. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't see that. Uh, I, did I don't my research. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's mentioned on the website. I should, uh, I should add that. That's all right. Awesome. Cool. I think one of the reasons why I talked to you is because uh, one of the things we do at Environments for Humans is that we actually send out lists of information, all articles out there for people on our, our Twitter account, E4H. And one thing I noticed was I kept on coming back to your website because you kept on having some really great articles from, from your blog. And um, so I just really wanted to say thank you for doing that. Some sure. really great Thank stuff. You. So, uh, and one of them is a uh, introduction to critical CSS and WordPress. Mm-hmm. And I just um, want to get your thoughts on on. Can you just break that down a little bit of a, what is critical CSS for people who might not, not know that and 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 bringing that into into WordPress. Sure. So, critical CSS is a web performance technique, and the idea is that you can take the CSS that is of importance or is necessary for a sort of primary rendering of the page, what's above the fold, so to speak, you take that and you inline it in your HTML and your bulk your CSS, you still include it, but you load it in a deferred manner so it loads later. And that the idea is that the web browser will get all of the information it needs to actually render the page sooner than if it was having to download all the CSS, because in that initial HTML dump, it gets all the CSS it needs, and uh, if you defer to the JavaScript, it has everything it needs to render the page. And it's just a way to, to make a page load faster. And the way that I've done that with WordPress, I was working on a project where we were exploring that, and I used some tools from Filament Group to look at each page. Um, I I picked some key pages, um, either high-level pages on the site or uh, pages that were represented a a common pattern. So like uh, all the products pages are pretty similar. And so you only have to do critical CSS for one of them. And so I have this process with a series of grunt tasks that looked at each of those pages, looked at each page in uh, several key resolutions, 
and generated the CSS for the critical CSS for that particular page for all those resolutions, merged it together, and stored that as a separate file on the server. And then when WordPress is building the page, it basically says, okay, let me see what page I'm building. Let me go look at my list of all these critical CSS files and see if I have one that matches. If I do, great. Inline it, use the critical, use the async CSS, everything else, and that's that's how it works, and it's a lot smoother. Uh, it it involved doing some work with Grunt to uh, query. To, I'm sorry to to build those critical CSS files, um, and it found the process was a little. It was slow. I couldn't do it on every time. It's definitely not something you do on every delivery. Every time that the web page is delivered, it's something you do whenever you make updates to the site. You do it periodically when you make theme updates, um, and we just you know run this as part of the build process to create these critical CSS files and get them included in the site. Um, some of the other things you need to think about with critical CSS is um, you don't need to deliver the critical CSS for second time and on visitors. You really only need it for a first-time visitor. So you need to be able to know if a visitor has come before, so if they have the CSS cached or not. Um, so that gets into uh, using cookies to track the visitor behavior. And if the cookie for the CSS is present, you don't need to inline the critical CSS. Um, one of the issues that we ran into was uh, cookies and their CDN. And their CDN didn't didn't pass cookies through correctly, so we, at the end of the day, weren't able to use the solution. But you know, everything worked, and it was a really neat implementation. And uh, I realized that I have a four-part, four or five-part blog series on that in mind, and I've only written the first one. Right. Yeah, so I'll, I'll <laughs> revisit that. See, I'm here to tell you that you need to finish your book and your blog <laughs> series <laughs> to do. So um, this is this is a, this is my phone call to you. Just like Matt, you're doing great work. Just need to push out there. And are you you're coming to CSS DevConf? Is that right? I am. Yes, and I'll be speaking there. Sweet, awesome. Uh, that's, I'm really happy you're doing that. And um, uh, just because, and we're off, we're uh, just to let you know when we're recording this. We are frantically putting the the, the dots on our eyes and the crossing the T's for it because it's happening very soon uh yeah so we're like uh, we're really happy to, to see everyone who comes in uh what, what topic are you talking about uh i'm talking about generating a living style guide from css okay. and what does that mean um well a style guide is essentially um a, a pattern library of the site so what do the various components look like and a living style guide is generated from the source. So if you have comments, uh, documentation in your CSS that then get parsed, and maybe they include markup, maybe the markup is external, the partials are maybe even used by the website, the idea is to be able to generate that style guide at any point based on the content that's in the CSS so that your documentation is always up to date. You're not creating something off on the side, which you owe it. We added the new component. We already have to go update the style guide for it. You just no. You add the new component. You add the documentation there. You regenerate the style guide, and everything is there and it's up to date. But yeah, thank you so much for being with us today. Very much appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Cool. Awesome. How can people find you on the internet, especially 
your website where they can find out how to sign up for your ebook when it launches or your book when it launches and on all that good stuff too. Yeah, so my website is mattvanderpol.com, M-A-T-T-V-A-N-D-E-R-P-O-L.com. Um, you can read about our house at house.vanderpol.net. Um, I tweet infrequently at bookworm, <laughs> B-O-O-K-W-Y-R-M. Okay. Well, thank you so much again, and I look forward to seeing you in uh, about a week or so. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Chris. Chris.